Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about issues of the day from a biblical perspective, as well as highlights from interviews, conferences, and events. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight. I'm your host, David Smith, and Monty Larrick, our Media director is out on special assignment working with Speak Out Illinois for our annual uh, pro-life conference that will be coming up next year. So stay tuned for those details. I am honored to have uh, as a guest with me today on this podcast a gentleman named Nick Richmond. I almost called you Rich Nickman. No, it's (laughs) Nick Richmond, and he is the president and the founder of Freedom Initiative, which is something kind of new, and we're going to tell you all about it today, but we're going to start with Nick, and we're going to find out what got you interested in doing this, but I want to first hear a little bit about your background and where you're from, because you're not an Illinois native, but you are a Midwest native. Yes. All right, so tell us a little bit more. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm born and raised in the town of Flint, Michigan. No kidding. Have you ever been to Flint, Michigan? I hear the water's bad. Oh, yeah. Well, that came a little after I had left town, but... The damage was already done, right? Yes, yes. (laughs) Yep. Um, Have you ever been to Flint, Michigan? I have not. I've been up to Detroit and across the bridge to Canada. What's the name of that town right across the... Windsor? Windsor, that's it. Windsor, Ontario? That's right. Yeah, I spent some time over there. Um, So I'm born and raised in Flint, Michigan at one point, which was a thriving um, motor capital. Right. General Motors was one of the most powerful corporations in the world. A lot of blue-class families. My grandfather served in World War II. Blue-collar, I mean. He and my grandmother met over in Seattle, Washington. He brought her back to Flint, built a home, raised my father. My father was a blue-collar factory worker, like yeah. most men in Flint, Michigan. He was yeah. a millwright. My mom was a student nurse. They were great parents, but unfortunately, they separated when I was only two years old. My grandmother was very instrumental in raising us. She was, I believe, uh, a big component of our faith. You know, we were in Baptist church every every Sunday with Grandma. Um, That's a good grandma. Yes, yes. So the, I think that Flint background is important to what motivates me, which is coming from that life of... You know, you work hard and you make sacrifices if you want to accomplish something in life. And I learned that at a young age, nothing was handed over. And so later on, I migrated to Western Michigan University, pursued a degree in sales and marketing. I kind of had a passion for business. Started my first business when I was 21 years old. Never really worked for anyone. Oh, good for you. Um, (laughs) Not for very long, at least. I think I worked for Panera Bread for about two months and then they (laughs) fired me. I was never on time. I had a hard time being on time. But started in the home improvement industry which is really the main entity that's driving a lot of what's happening now is, is uh, Matrix Home Solutions. Okay. Started that company in 2009 at the heart of, height of the recession. And you're, you've got a presence in, in Michigan with we do. Matrix and in Chicago? Yeah, so we started and, in Arlington Heights. Okay, in Arlington Heights, good. Started it here in Chicago. Okay. Figured if we can prove it out here, we can take it anywhere. And so went back to my roots over to in the Detroit metro area where I had a lot of solid people I could lean on to open an office over there. And now we're in Kalamazoo, Michigan, pretty much servicing all the lower half of the state of Michigan. And business is good. Business is great. And so um, you're now interested in political happenings here in Illinois. You and your family live here. And uh, you're kind of disturbed by 
uh, Illinois politics? I mean, uh, Michigan politics certainly isn't much better, I can tell you that. You are interested in trying to make a difference, and this is why you and some partners founded Freedom in- Initiative. So tell us about that. What's your goals? What are you doing? And uh, I'm excited about some of the upcoming events, to tell you the truth. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, it, it really started back in my early 30s. It wasn't until then that I actually took an interest in politics. Throughout my 20s, I mainly had blinders on, building my companies, raising a family, buying my first home, marrying marrying my wife, Nikki. Sure. And it wasn't until I looked around and realized that, hey, I've got a lot to lose and a lot to care about. I should start paying attention to what's happening, especially politically, here in the Chicagoland area, where it's more impactful than than what I experienced over in Michigan. Mm. Michigan, we don't have the same issues we have here. It's a it's a totally different world here in Chicago. I think that's something that people fail fail to realize if they're born and raised in the Chicagoland area. When I moved here, it was like a culture shock. Mm. It's it, it is a different world here in comparison to Michigan. So when I began to realize that our freedoms and our liberties were being eroded by a corrupt political system here in Illinois, and I came to know good friends like uh, John Anthony over at AM five sixty Radio, black I, and right, black and right. I started studying the Constitution, Declaration of Independence. I began to study just to first understand where this is heading, what is it exactly that I'm protecting, what rights and freedoms do I have. And I started studying Marxism, began mm. to talk to people who had fled communism. Those Did who you know- ever see the Curtis Bauer movies about agenda? You've got to watch those uh, on YouTube. He had the same kind of journey as a state lawmaker from Iowa, I think it was, where he came and started studying how the communist agenda is encroaching on all of life. You've came to the same conclusion. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a sponge. You know, Matrix Home Solutions, for example, we became successful as a result of me just being open-minded and learning from the people around me. Uh, you know, I try to copy success, you know, and, and success follows, leaves clues, as they say. So we're the most successful nation that has ever graced the globe, well, why is that? And that takes me back to the founding of the nation. That's really where I began. I hadn't read the Declaration or the Constitution since I was in high school. Right, right. And many people haven't looked at it probably since they were in high school. Right. So that was eye-opening for me to read those documents. It was sort of an aha. Comparing that to what we're experiencing now, comparing the fundamental values and the fundamental principles to what we're seeing now in society really rang my bell. And I have three young children. And so at this very moment, that's my number one priority is to protect and preserve their freedom. You know, the American dream is a beautiful thing, but it's not easy. It's very hard to pursue the American dream if you don't first and foremost have the right foundation underneath you. You know, society nowadays seems to be raising children, not the parents, right? And that's, that's <laughs> the thing we're trying to avoid in our household is maintaining control over the hearts and minds of our children. And instilling in them the values that you and your wife have. Correct. Not the government values. Yes, exactly. Because they're, they're not values in my book. So that's they're really perversities. What, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. So Freedom Initiative really starts with the atrocities that we're seeing in the, in the school system yeah. in particular right now with the masking, the potential uh, vaccination requirements that we may see here eventually, which I do believe is the goalpost. And so I'm feverishly fighting for them and everyone's children for that So matter. would it be safe to say that the whole COVID lockdown, the mask mandates and these vaccination mandates have really got you stirred up? Yeah, that's, that's Is it safe, safe to say that? Yeah, just a little bit. Just yeah. a little bit? Mm-hmm. You've launched this Freedom Initiative to do exactly what? To stir other people up? To get them involved? Solve some issues? What's your goals? 
So the way I see it, there's there's two types of fear out there right now, right? The, mm-hmm. the one fear is people are fearful of going back to their normal way of life, taking off their masks, going back to work, reengaging in society. And then the other fear I see are people who believe what we believe at Freedom Initiative, which is that God gave us our freedom. It was a gift that was bestowed upon us Amen. that is inalienable. And we need to protect and preserve those freedoms to protect and preserve the future of this nation, our children and their children thereafter. So that fear, the fear there is people are afraid to speak out. They're afraid to share how they feel publicly because they're afraid that they're going to be silenced, docs, they're going to lose friends, they're going to lose their businesses. So it's really waking up those people who deep down inside want what we want, and that's freedom, and get them to join us in the cause. It's also to find those people who are on the fence who may still be unbrainwashed, if you will, rewired uh, in some way. Let's call them questioning. Yep, I think there's people who are right there on the tipping point of caving to this. See, Marxism, it, it, it works to control the mind, right? Yeah, it's a right. mind control. And so our goal is to try to get people to attend our events that we're conducting, to bring people together physically, face-to-face interaction, which is kind of a lost art form in this digital <laughs> society we live in today, right? Everyone hides behind their keyboard versus interacting face-to-face. So we're looking to bring people together, belly-to-belly. I believe that helps tremendously with building relationships. Absolutely. With educating people, motivating people. It's an encouragement too, Nick. You know, when you have a couple hundred people that are of like mind, you know, you realize, hey, I'm not alone out here. I'm not I'm not the only nut. Exactly. It's, it's giving people the, the courage and, and the encouragement to continue to fight and to amplify the fight as well, you know, take it up another notch until the job is done. Yeah, get educated, get equipped, uh, and then spread the word, right? Correct. Yeah. And, and bring great resources to the table. Bring people to the table that have a different perspective that can help educate and continue to fill in the voids to give people, uh, you know, the firepower they need to get the job done. Well, you, you talk about, you know, and you've got your pocket constitution right here in front of us, <laughs> yes. which is great, and reading those founding documents. I think it's very interesting that in my interactions with Christians in general, I've been to a number of Iron Sharpens Iron Men conferences and a teacher's Christian conference, and when people go by my booth, I ask the question, are you interested in politics and public policy? And if they answer, nah, not really, I, I like to say, can I give you a biblical reason why you should? Most of the time they say, okay, give me, challenge me. Go ahead, challenge me. And so I say, Romans 13 tells us that all authority is ordained by God, right? Okay, all right. Who did God ordain in the United States of America? And usually the response is the president or the Congress or something like that. And I say, what's the first three words of the Constitution? Which are? Yeah, we the people. We the people. And then I say, after they say, oh, yeah, I said, Who's in charge? We the people. How are we doing with that? Oh, not so good. Because Christians haven't been involved in the process. We've turned it over to heathens and pagans and atheists. And, of course, communism is made for those kind of people. Mm -hmm. Your work is vital, important to wake people up because they're not hearing this. They're not hearing that in the mainstream media. They're not hearing it uh, in their government schools. Mm They're not hearing it at church. I know that. Yeah, I mean, I, I blame a lot of it on technology. I, I, I said at our last event, this little device here, the phone, let's say, is one of the greatest and the worst things that could have happened to our society because this is a, a tool that can be used for great reason or it can be used to influence people in a terrible way, especially young people. Sure. It's addictive like a drug. It and is. so that's where they're going for their information. It's no longer about building meaningful relationships. People are most interested in 
building a following, getting more likes, you know, and now all of a sudden they're being controlled by that as opposed to being controlled by their own internal moral compass. And so that, that's a problem. I try to keep my kids off the iPads. It's a treat if they get a chance to, to use the iPads and it has to be for some purpose. Like very smart. My kids are into fishing. So if they want to watch fishing videos and learn all about (laughs) fish, fine, let's watch, you know, but otherwise they're not, they're not walking around with their face in their iPad all day long because I believe what we're up against this this global attack that we're up against right now is driven by these monopoly powers that have ran rampant beyond reproach right we never allowed monopolies in the past whether it was the telephone companies or the cigarette companies or the railroads right we'd break up these monopolies so they don't become more powerful than yep. our government yep and now i think we're in a pickle because it was this unique uh, entity flying above the radar of all these, you know, policymakers and lawmakers that probably just couldn't get their head around this force. And now they're starting to realize, I think, that, wow, this thing is now almost too big to compete with. There was someone, who, I can't remember his name, and maybe you'll remember, he testified before Congress, and he was um, not a conservative. He was a liberal. I think he was even open homosexual. But he testified how Google and Facebook had a disproportionate effect on votes for Hillary Clinton back in 2016. And so the name Epstein comes mm-hmm. to mind. So, yeah, these, these things have a tremendous amount of influence on people who are naive and gullible. And so what you're trying to do, and we'll come back after a break here and, and talk more about this, the specifics, but what you're trying to do is uh, wake people up, educate, equip, and get them involved. That's the short-term goal, yeah, and then there are longer-term strategies as well that tie into that. But really let's talk with... about that when we come back from this break. All right. I'm Dave Smith. We'll be right back. Gen Z has a complex relationship with criticism. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with The Point. Business experts are noticing an uptick in the desire for Gen Zers to know that they're doing things right. 66% of Gen Z say they need feedback from their supervisor every few weeks in order to stay at their job. That's Ryan Jennings, a generation expert. He goes on, considering Gen Z grew up in digital environments full of real-time feedback, likes, comments, and shares, it's not surprising they have an elevated appetite for feedback at work. And yet, on the other hand, many believe that Gen Z is the most narcissistic generation in history. It's not hard to see why. So young people constantly taught to live their truth and cut out toxic people, which is mostly anyone who disagrees with them. Incredibly, the latest peer-reviewed data show that Gen Zers know they have this tendency and don't really like it. So there's hope after all. Growth of any kind requires being willing to listen to others, even when they tell us things we don't want to hear. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. It's an evening you don't want to miss. The Illinois Family Institute's Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet with the Reverend Dr. Erwin Lutzer Friday night, October 29th at the Carlisle in Lombard. To register, click events at IllinoisFamily.org. We're going to be giving some solutions and some hope in the midst of a culture that clearly has lost its way. Dr. Lutzer is Pastor Emeritus of Moody Church, a Christian broadcasting legend and the author of We Will Not Be Silenced. God has led us to this moment. He's given us resources to move forward. The church should not be shamed into silence. Dr. Erwin Lutzer and the Illinois Family Institute's Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet. Limited seating. Call now, 708-781-9328. Or click events at IllinoisFamily.org. IllinoisFamily.org.
All right. Welcome back. I am David Smith, your host on the Illinois Family Spotlight Podcast. Please tell your friends, neighbors, and like-minded people at church about our Spotlight Podcast, which comes out once a week, usually on Tuesdays, and hopefully you'll find it just a breath of fresh air. Today we're talking to Nick Richmond with Freedom Initiative, and it's a relatively new project. He's getting organized and going to have a Good impact in the state of Illinois. We welcome all conservative voices here, and uh, it's nice to see Nick and his crew involved. Um, You've had a number of events already Mm -hmm. um, this year in 2021. Tell us about those events, which ones were the best, most exciting, and what you got on the horizon here. So I think to understand the momentum of this program, it's important to understand where it all began. Back in July, there was a bill that they were trying to push through, House Bill 2789, which would have given the governor complete authority over both public and private schools. That's right. And when we saw that, it made us very nervous. Now, fortunately, that was uh, held up on the Senate floor, right? It was denied overwhelmingly. And from that point, the governor said, well, there's nothing more I can do. Why don't you school districts make your own decisions? Yep. And we were also very nervous by virtue of that. We weren't sure what these school districts may decide. Our district, District 25, voted 6-0 mask optional. After weeks of deliberation, uh, interviewing and polling the parents in the community, looking at the science, looking at the data, I had friends personally that were involved in those board meetings fighting tooth and nail, and they were successful, mask optional. So my wife and I, we were very, very relieved. And then a week later, I think it was about a week later, the governor jumps on the air, and what does he say? I'm mandating the masks with no explanation, no reasoning, no new goalpost, just because I said so. But he had the science on his side. Nick, Mm -hmm. it was political science. (laughs) It wasn't medical science. It wasn't uh, health science. It was political science. It was a power grab. My good friend John Anthony, I I called him. I, I was, I think, like many parents looking for this magic wand I could wave to make it all go away. And he said, well, why don't you reach out to my friend Tom DeVore? Mm-hmm. Some people may know of Tom DeVore. An attorney from um, central Illinois, southern Illinois, yep. And I'll never forget, we, we had a long conversation that night on the phone. He was really good at leading me with questions, getting me to think about how all this might play out. And what it led to was holding an event at a place called Nellie's in Palatine, formerly known as Dirty Nellie's. All the dirty uh, folks that want freedom and, and mask optional met at Dirty Nellie's, right? <laughs> so, so we... We just, out of nowhere, I think with 48 hours notice, organized an event. We, it was open to the public just to get together and have a roundtable with Tom DeVore to educate people on the here and now, what's happening, why is this happening, what can you do to fight back against this. And we, had, we had about 150 people show up. Fantastic. They were fired up. It now, was, did you videotape this? We did, yeah, we recorded it. So you have a YouTube or a Rumble channel? We do. We recorded every event. And so that was before we were really organized under the Freedom Initiative banner. It was just a group of parents in the local community sure. that were concerned, getting together to have discussion. Then we realized that there was no magic wand we can wave, that the only way to change Illinois is to accept the fact that this is a marathon and not a sprint, and that we need strength in numbers and a constant pressure against the tyranny if we ever are going to make an impact. So we said, why don't we do another event? In fact, let's do an event every two weeks. And why every two weeks, I'm not sure. I think in my mind, I figured every week is too excessive. More than every two weeks might not be enough because you begin to lose people. You begin to lose their engagement and their interests. And I I saw the magic in bringing people together. Okay. It's been a long time since people gathered in that way. So we started off with another event. I believe our second event was at the Cotillion 
and we had four days or five days to advertise that event. We had 480 people, I believe, show up for that event. That's great. And then the next event we had at the Meridian, and I think we had close to 500 at that event. There you go. Then we had another event recently at Christian Liberty. Kaylee McEnany was our keynote. Former press secretary Mm -hmm. for Donald Trump. That was a big draw, I'm sure. But more importantly, my daughter goes to CLA. I've developed a good relationship with CLA, with Pastor Calvin. The history of their school really aligns well with our vision. The assault on Christianity is a It's called Christian Liberty, for goodness sakes, right? Right. So our our whole (laughs) message at that event was the secular left's assault on Christianity, not to steal Irwin Lutzer's thunder, but that was really the title of the event, and the message was all about that. I think we had over 700 people in attendance there. Beautiful. So that's where we're at. We're building a a, a family of freedom-loving Christians and Americans that want fundamental values, they want traditional America, and most importantly, they want to protect and preserve their children's future. And stop the encroaching communist agenda that is growing the government by leaps and bounds, right? I mean, you you see what they're doing in Washington, D.C. right now. They want to grow the government like crazy. And, of course, if the Democrats had their chance here in Illinois, they would do that too, and they are doing it. Let me not soften it. They're doing it inch by inch. So, Do you um, think Washington, D.C. is in control at this moment? I'm concerned that we're not being governed by Washington, D.C. I mean, I hate— Okay, yeah, tell me what you think. First of all, I believe none of what I hear and like half of what I see, I think, is the old expression. And I, I pay attention to things in a different way. I believe I've been blessed with the ability to, ha- to have some critical thinking skills. And yep. unfortunately, many people yep. don't have that. They can't put the pieces together. When Joe Biden speaks, I'm awfully concerned because the words he's speaking, we know are not his words. We know someone's crafting that message. And increasingly, the message sounds like it's written by the leader of a communist nation, Hmm. not by the leader of a free country. He is so hollow, and the vice president is nowhere to be found. She's laughing at the issues down at the border. The representation by our government is non-existent, other than to the end of pushing the vaccination on everyone, essentially, and creating a socialism that is beyond belief. That right there tells me that D.C. is not in control. I don't see them doing anything that's of of consequence from a positive standpoint. Look at look at Donald Trump. Look at how active that man. Look at Mike Pence. They were men on a mission. Yep. They were yep. going hard. I'm a businessman. I know what it's like to start something from scratch or to fix something, to fix a company or, or revamp a company. You have to be ready to roll up your sleeves and work 18 hours a day if you want to make a difference. Mm. And that's what they came in and did. And it was impactful. Well, who did they wake up? Whose bell was rang along the way? Yeah. <laughs> China. Yeah. And so here we are now with this invisible enemy, this pandemic that may or may not have stemmed from uh, Wuhan, Wuhan, right? From a lab where they were performing um, gain of function. Gain of function, absolutely. And how quickly we all forget about this, right? The media creates so many different distractions, and they're doing all these different things to draw the attention away from the more pressing issues, like what just happened over in Afghanistan. So I believe we're being controlled by a global force, okay, a global force, which is rooted in Marxism. Now that may sound radical. I don't want to. I don't want to get off this episode you know and have people say, "Wow, that guy's a conspiracy." No, well, Nick, I'll concede. I don't think um, Biden's in charge either. He is a puppet, absolutely, positively. Now the question is: Is it a foreign entity? Is it who is it? I don't know. I don't know. So if we don't know, but we know it's tyrannical, what do the founding documents say we are to do in this moment? What is our obligation as American citizens? Throw it off, right? We the people. Yeah. Go to back to your point. I mean, we the people right now. I believe is all that matters. I don't want to be laying in a ditch okay, someday so, next so, to someone and going, "Hey, 
we could have been brothers, right. but we were too busy fighting over all these issues right. that, were, that were not the issues that are most consequential to our existence on this earth. All right, so Nick, I've said this before. I don't believe that Biden got to the White House legitimately. I grew up in Chicago. I worked for a Democratic alderman for seven years. I see how I saw how the the sausage was made. Yep. You hold back enough precincts until you know how many votes you need to overcome your opponent's numbers. And that's what they did that same night we all went to bed and woke up the next morning and say, "How did he lose those five states?" And so it was okay, unbelievable. I'm saying election integrity is going to be vital. We can't have Chicago-style politics ruling or elections ruling our, our nation. And I know this is something near and dear to your heart. Is this something that you're going to be going hard after? It is. And so it starts with the short-term goals. The short-term goals being build a large, massive family of freedom-loving Americans, right? That's really where we're at at this moment. From there, it's what do we do with that critical mass? And with that critical mass, we intend to open up opportunities for uh, legal, um, having a legal fund for people. We're finding a lot of people need help from a legal perspective sure. right now. Yeah. Of course, getting to influencing or at least being involved in educating people on who we may want to have in a position of authority, which has been an overlooked thing. Election integrity is one part, but I think even before that, people actually participating in the first place. We have known Marxists right now that are sitting on the school boards yeah. of school districts right here in the that Chicagoland needs to be suburbs. Exposed. I know teachers in these schools that don't even know the people who are on the school board, and they definitely don't know that those people are known Marxists. Well, that's scary to me, right? Shouldn't we be paying attention to the people who are running for these positions? We have quite a few down in Springfield, too, by the way. Oh, I'm sure they're everywhere. Yeah. So it starts with helping people, first and foremost, become interested enough to pay attention to who's running or who could be running and voting for those people. Then the election integrity becomes important in my mind, you know, subsequently. Yeah, Yeah, it makes sense. We're working to be involved in that. Obviously, that's a— You were telling me something, the program that you're working on to get cops— involved Mm -hmm. as election judges. Tell me a little bit more about that. So we have a friend, Scott Casper, who's also very active, and he's working with the Freedom Initiative. We're working together to draw in as many good cops as we can to, I believe that we're going to have it down at the Trump Towers on the 13th of November. And they're going to be educating and teaching cops on how to essentially watch over the election and preserve the election integrity. And we're looking to see how many people we can get who want to volunteer for that mission to make sure that when we vote out all these Marxists that want to ruin our country. From your lips to God's ears. The results are honest, one way or the other. Right. So one of my big problems is that we have six weeks of early voting. And now we've got early voting by mail, and we're going to have drop-off locations. How ripe is this Mm. for uh, fraud? I mean, it's absolutely right. Ballot harvesting. Yes. Ballots in the park. Yes. Incentivizing people to vote for a particular candidate. How many illegal aliens are voting, too? So all those things make a big difference, right, In, in what the outcome can be, and especially in some of these tighter districts where we've got friends who've won an election by 60 votes. You know, you swing that very easily with 120 votes. This is all very important work that you're you're planning on doing. Uh, your events are very encouraging and stirring people up. I hope you keep doing these. But where would our listeners go to find more information about Freedom Initiative? And maybe sign up for an email list, Facebook page, Twitter. What, what do you got, Nick? Sure. Visit freedominitiative.net. 
and there's a place there for you to put in your information so we can communicate to you. We also have a rather robust group on Facebook, but we are trying to work off of social media if possible, communicating the old-fashioned way. From there, we're having events, if not twice a month, at least every other month. We have an event coming up, or excuse me, twice a month. And, or if not every once other a week. Month. Right. Yes, correct. Yeah. So we have an event coming up October 20th at the Meridian in Rolling Meadows, Illinois. We have David Harris Jr. there as our keynote. And we also have Ty Smith, who gives a real riveting talk from the stage. He was at our last event as well. So that's, you know, the way to find us is to visit our website, freedominitiative.net, sign up for us to be able to communicate with you, come to our events so you can meet us and meet the team and just get a taste of what it is that we're doing. So what's that website again? Freedominitiative.net. Freedominitiative.net. Okay. And really back to stirring people up, I mean, in my opinion, it's get them to regain control of their life through little initiatives. Like next time you go to a store, go in there without a mask on and just see what happens, right? Don't just give in. Be defiant in a polite way. Go to your school board meeting. Be vocal. There's a lot of things you can do along the way until we get to election season to make an impact. Amen. So that's part of it too, is just giving people encouragement to and whatever you do and whatever you do, don't drive alone and wear a mask. Okay. Yeah, we're seeing that too many people are making fun of that. <laughs> well, you know, people say, Oh, you're, you're, the kids can handle it. It doesn't seem to bother them. Well, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. You have Ooh. kids, kids who have experienced some negative consequences of wearing the mask all day long. I do, yes. There's so much evidence out there that not just my children, but many children are being impacted emotionally and physically as a result of the mask wearing. I'm of the belief, at least from my experience, that the consequences of wearing the mask far outweigh the consequences of not wearing the mask. Of course, that's just my opinion. I believe in a free nation, people's opinions or their beliefs or their views do not give them the authority to impose over another. So and they be, should be respected. So I'm not, I don't want to be a hypocrite and say that right. I'm against masks. By, any, by no means would I say that. I think if people are comfortable masking themselves or their children, that's what they should do. It's their option as an American. Correct, but that doesn't give them the right to demand that I do the same. <laughs> and so, not, and especially if it's to the detriment of my children, I am their caretaker. They're my number one priority. It's my job as a father to protect my children. So if they want to take the risks associated with wearing a mask or taking the jab, that's great. Fine, you do that. But I don't want to take those same risks. I should have the right to be able to make that call. My children, they'll jump in the car after school, still wearing their mask. They get buckled in, and they don't realize that they still have the mask on their face. And I've had parents say to me, oh, our kids, they they come out of school and jump in the car, and they don't even realize that they still have it on. It's not bothering them. And my response to to that is that's the saddest part of this entire ordeal is that they are so conditioned to wearing it, they don't even know that they have it on their face. You said the word, conditioned. And that's what the government and our leaders are doing, conditioning us to blindly follow political science and dictates. It's time for pushback and it's time for freedom initiative. And it's a slippery slope because if they can get them comfortable with covering their mouth and nose all day long, what else are they going to get them comfortable with? Oh, man. And to what end? Just take this pill. Take that pill. And I will say one last thing because I know we're getting tight on time. I'm advocating right now for a goalpost. I see a lot of people going to the school board. They're barking at the school board. There are people out there who are protesting, et cetera. We need to demand a goalpost. We're playing a game right now. Okay, <laughs> exactly. imagine, imagine playing a game where there are no bounds. There's <sighs> so no scoreboard. Right. There's no goalpost. There's only one referee, J.B. Pritzker. Okay, and we don't know how long the game's going to go for. It could go for five years, ten years, one month. We won't know until he jumps back out on the airwaves and lets us know. He made the comment yesterday. He said, things are trending downward. So if we continue to see this trend, we may possibly – 
consider easing the restrictions. We will definitely ease the restrictions so, as a result of getting to this place. Why you know what kills me, Nick, too, is that our state legislature has been complicit in giving him this authority and hasn't said, no, we're not irrelevant. We pass laws. We don't just let one man unilaterally make these decisions for everybody. Well, wasn't it put on them to determine how they're going to deal with his never-ending authority? Where, is, where are we at with that? Well, no, they're, you know, they're good buddies with the billionaire named Pritzker. And if they want funding for their next election, they're not going to make any trouble. So, I'm sorry, I'm cynical. <laughs> well, I mean, here's why I'm pressing the issue of the goalposts, because I'm asking people yeah, to no, consider this. Yeah, I totally this. agree. What is your drop dead date? Meaning for how long are, do you, are you in your own world, in your own life, with your own children going to allow this to go on for? My daughter's four. Is she going to be going off to her first homecoming dance here with a mask <laughs> on mask, her face right, before right. I know it? That's what I keep asking my wife is, what's your drop dead date, honey? Is it a month, six months, a year, five years? Because unless you have a date in writing that's meaningful, this could go on forever. Yeah. And I'm not interested in participating in that. And it I think was people two need- weeks to, 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 what? to level oh, the curve. Geez. Yeah. <laughs> right. So we're in this black hole. And so, Two weeks. yes, oh. I want to get to elections. Yes, I believe their elections are going to matter. But we're still a ways out between now and then. And my children at their ages, four, six and eight, this is when they're being molded. OK, so a year of this could be detrimental to their entire life psychologically. So I believe we, the people, need to take action well in advance of these elections Yep. by doing what we want to do. doing right now. Yes. Yep. So if you want to learn more, freedominitiative.net. That's right. Freedominitiative.net. And check out their next event that they're coming up. It's going to be on your page there. You have an event page. And uh, go join them. Thank All you, right. David. I appreciate it. Thank appreciate you, Nick, you for us. being here and uh, for what you're doing. Thank you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. For more information about Illinois Family Spotlight, visit ifiaction.org. And to email questions and comments, do so at feedback at ifiaction.org.